0: as part of the jeremiah show it's the arwin lewis show arwin lewis is a singer a songwriter and a guitarist she inhabits our blue planet but her beliefs belong in the celestial realm as the daughter of peter lewis a founding member of rock and roll cult icons moby grape and the granddaughter of oscar-winning actress loretta young she's been part of the creative cosmos of her life she's a slice of sonic heaven poised to enter your heart mind and soul she's an artist producer and writer and she's your radio host
1: everybody this is arwen lewis and you're listening to the arwen lewis show i'm under the jeremiah show platform and today my very special guest is drummer brian delaney he's originally from st Louis, missouri has been a fixture in the new york city music scene since the mid-90s brian has played and recorded with artists of all styles and flavors including the new york dolls melissa etheridge lucy woodward Delta Goodrum, David Johansson and the Harry Smiths, Earl Slick, Buster Poindexter, Patti Austin, Blood, Sweat and Tears, and many, many more. In 2015, Brian collaborated with David Bowie on his highly acclaimed musical, Lazarus. And he is here on the Arwen Lewis Show today. Brian, welcome and thank you so much for coming on my show.
2: Right. Thank you. Good to be here.
1: I'm so looking forward to talking about your career and, um, you know, where your inspiration started. So I thought we could start by just talking about like how old you were when you started to play and what inspired you to play the drums and learn.
2: Wow. Um, for some reason I remember this and I've told this story before. So sixth grade. So my elementary school in St. Louis ended at sixth grade and then you went to junior high. Um, they had this like talent show in sixth grade at the end of the year, but there was a band, like a local band that was playing. And I just remember them playing crocodile rock. And, and I, I didn't play, I don't come from a music family. I didn't play anything, you know, before then. And I just remember hearing the drummer and like him doing Phil's, every four or eight bars or whatever, and for some reason that stuck in my head. So I went home, you know, and I'm sure i mentioned to my mom and dad, oh, I saw this band. And then I remember, like, just starting to bang on the table, you know, or on the closet or on the pantry door or whatever. And so when seventh grade, junior high came up, my mom was like, why don't you join band? And, of course, I was like, no way. I don't want to do (laughs) that. But she's like, yeah, I think it'd be really cool, you know. So, and again, she doesn't come from a music family, you know, but she was like, you know, I think this would be good. So that was my, or that's how I remember it. You well,
1: know. well, that's so cool that you were just inspired by watching a show. Like, you know, a lot of people, that's how people get inspired to get into the rock and roll industry. And it's really great that your parents were supportive too. Right. right. Um, and so what was your drumming education like from there? Did you, um, did you stick with band? Did you get private lessons? How did you move into
2: performing? Yeah, I, Seventh and eighth grade was junior high and I was in the band, the concert band, I guess they called it. And mm-hmm. then I think I'm going to say eighth grade, I started studying privately at a local music store. Um, Noddleman music, I think it was called. Um, and then they didn't have jazz band or anything like that. Okay. So I think I was just playing snare drum or concert band. And then in, when high school came along, uh, I think I started playing the drum set. Uh, and I maybe I, I must have gotten a drum set at home. I don't remember when. And again, supportive parents who are... And I have three brothers who were also supportive of me, me making all the racket. But um, yeah, so then I guess I started playing in jazz band. Uh, probably, you know, junior, senior year or so. And started taking lessons with this great new york uh about st louis drummer named kevin giannino
1: okay and were you learning how to read music at that point too or was that the foundation of your training
2: yeah there was definitely definitely you know music you know reading and uh different drum books yeah
1: and did you take that to college too did you get a degree in music or did you study music in college
2: Yes, I did. Okay. Um, first, I went to a school in Missouri, uh, Southwest Missouri State in Springfield, Missouri, for a couple of years, and I was music education.
1: Okay.
2: Um, and then I was like, I'm not a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> so then... You're a doer. <laughs> yeah. And then I transferred to the University, university of North Texas. Okay. Which is a... Very well-known, like, jazz music school. Um, Lots of fabulous musicians have come out of there. Um, And they have this great teacher, Ed Sof, that was there. So, um, and again, supportive parents, they, you know, (laughs) because I was just like, here's where I want to go and you know somehow they made it happen you know i mean it's it's a state school but and if you get a, a scholarship there you get in-state tuition oh wow which as i think about it back then was amazingly cheap yeah probably <laughs> consider compared to what's around now but um again a great music school so I was lucky i was able to go there And I got a degree in jazz studies.
1: So were you studying other instruments, too, or did you just use the drums to um, understand jazz?
2: Yeah, actually, when I went to Southwest Missouri State, I was definitely, you know, practicing drums like crazy. was in the marching band and in the jazz band. But I started to learn piano. Okay. Okay. And mainly like jazz piano, like, okay, how do you play these chords? Um, You know, the basics or whatever. Not like being some prolific soloist or anything. I just wanted to learn the basics, you know. So, and then when I went to North Texas, it was basically just all about drumming and, you know, listening and records and all these other great musicians.
1: Can you kind of compare playing drums to piano in the sense of like tonality. Cause I know like it's, there's more of a range with the piano, right, as far as the tone goes. Um, but there's a lot of that, that I think, it's, I mean, some you know people who don't play music might not think about that, um, that with the drums, there are different registers as far as like the cymbals, right? And the kick drum, like, is, are there parallels there between the piano and drums in that sense?
2: Yeah, I guess, and more so in the jazz, you know, maybe idiom when you're soloing and, you know, you're thinking bass drum, low, the toms, and then when you're maybe soloing and you're trying to be, you know, somewhat melodic, you know, using the toms as, and then the cymbals, like you're saying, the higher thing. Um, Yeah, I don't. Yeah, again, in the jazz idiom, solo idiom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could see that. Cool.
1: Uh, are there any important lessons, like, that you really took with you through your whole career as far as your education was concerned?
2: Well, I think studying there at North Texas, there the teacher there had so a great jazz drummer and a great teacher and just studying you know his techniques and what he taught and just about technique and listening and soloing and just invaluable
1: yeah
2: that and again all the other drummers that were at school there and you know kind of going like wow you know but everyone doing their thing you know not everyone sounding alike by all means but
1: you kind of find your your niche right like and i feel every artist or guitar player kind of does that like you learn the foundations and then you find what fits best for you Right, Um, right So, like, who are some of your biggest influences Um, besides, like, when, uh, you know, you heard Crocodile Rock and that really inspired you. But from there, like, who are you listening to? Who were you drumming to in the beginning that really made you want to, you know, move forward with it?
2: Right. I mean, I do remember Rush, Mm -hmm. um, Neil Peart, you know, the drummer, uh, trying to play along with some of that stuff. Uh, And then I was a big acdc fan cool <laughs> um uh man, all those bands in the 80s and 90s um wow uh, aerosmith foreigner mm-hmm. i guess a lot of rock stuff you know and then i had that little phase i was like the jazz phase and uh all these great jazz drummers art blakey max roach um i mean there's too many to name uh So I definitely got into that world, Uh, you know, John Coltrane music and Charlie Parker and so much great stuff. Um, So, I I mean, I guess, yeah, a lot of rock stuff, a lot of jazz stuff. Yeah. um, And a lot in between, I'm sure.
1: And that's kind of been... Where your career has taken you, right? Because you've played with—I mean, you've played with these huge names like Marith, Melissa Etheridge, and you're part of the second second incarnation of the New York Dolls. Yeah. Um. How, why don't we talk about that? So, really quick, I wanted to tell everybody who may not know who the New York Dolls are. Uh, the New York Dolls are an American rock band. Uh, they were formed in New York City in 1971 um along with the Velvet Underground and the Stooges uh they were one of the first bands of the early punk scenes. And so yeah, Brian's a member of the second version of the New York Dolls. And so how did the second version come into fruition and how did you hook up with them?
2: Wow, so <laughs> crazy stories of uh, so and what was this 2003 or 4 that so you know the artist Morrissey? Yeah, mhm. So from the band the smiths um he was a huge new york Dallas fan so and i'm sure i had some facts wrong here but i guess he contacted david johansen mm-hmm. so the lead singer of the band who also had his alter ego buster poindexter so that song hot 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 mm-hmm. that's <laughs> David Johansson in the 80s doing Buster Poindexter. Um, so Morrissey wanted to get this band. You know, he's such a fan. He's like, you know, and a couple of guys had passed away from the band, but okay. he knew David Johansson, um, Sylvain Sylvain, the guitar player, and the bass player Arthur Kane were still around. So he's like, hey, you know, I'd love to get, you know, get this band back together. So... And I had met David Johansson doing these gigs with this band called the Harry Smiths. Okay. And in New York City, just, and he's doing like blues and like, I almost call it like mellow stuff. I was playing Brushes. Nice. You know, we would play at the bottom line in New York City, but just very small drum set, just you know he's just, and he is a real character. You know, tell great stories. But then you know he and I just got along great. And then when I did a couple Buster Poindexter gigs, nice. And then when this New York Dallas thing came along, he's like, "Hey, you want to?" <laughs> he's got this great gravelly voice. You know, you want to do some of these gigs? They could be fun. You know. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, a ton different than Buster Poindexter or especially the Harry Smiths, you know. This is like punk rock. Yeah. Um, So Morrissey put the band, like, did a show in London for the band. But he knew that their drummer had passed away. Mm -hmm. So he got a guy from over there to do the first show. And then, you know, and we didn't know if this was going to go on, you know, for or if it was just going to be a one-time thing. So I did the rehearsals in New York City, and then they went over there and did the show with this drummer over there. And then, you know, more and more shows came along, and people were really into it. So I did every show after the first show. And it was, wow, eight years, nine years of, you know... Yeah, obviously off and on, but touring um but wow, what a blast.
1: Yeah, I watched um one of your live shows last night and you were you were playing in the band. It was a small I don't it- well, it was obviously, it was recorded for TV or maybe just YouTube. I don't know where it was, but it looked like a small venue, but like super fun. And I had never really watched it. I had listened to their music, but um, it was really fun to see how animated everybody was. And just yeah, the yeah. music's so fun. and
2: Yeah. Um, it's, so, yeah. Man, en- energy, energy. I mean, I would be playing hard like these big, you know, be breaking stuff and That's breaking circles. Awesome. It was <laughs> total rock and roll you know
1: do you feel like your jazz um background has affected the way you play because you're i mean you're like a great i don't need to tell you this but a great rock drummer right like it's not easy to be a good rock drummer like the way you play so do you feel that the jazz has affected you with a little more of like a sophisticated training does it or are they different sophistications between rock drumming and jazz drumming
2: i mean i think They are different, but the one thing of my teacher at North Texas, Ed Sof, he would teach this molar stroke, this technique, and it's not going to come across here, but where you're, first of all, relaxed and you're using like your whole arm, Mm -hmm. you know, and not like stiff. Right. So... In playing loud and crazy, you know, where I'm playing these giant backbeats, you know, whole arm. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm still relaxed. I mean, to a degree. Right. And I can get that power out of using good technique. And, you know, knock on wood, I've never had, you know, hand or arm or wrist issues. Um, so I think... And Ed Self is known as a jazz drummer, but his techniques definitely, you know, resonate. You know, yeah. just as a drummer, you know.
1: Well, yeah, because you're—that's everything, though. Because you, it's like a basketball player, any any sport, right? Like if you don't move, if your body isn't in alignment the right way, you're going to hurt yourself, or you won't be able to execute like what you're trying to execute. So right. that. I, yeah, so I would say, yeah, I'm sure that your technique training, right, is what has helped you be such. A, besides, right. you know, your inspiration, your feel for everything. Um, but also, I wanted to go back and ask: Did you record some um, uh, any albums with the New York Dolls, or were you just live with them?
2: Yeah, so we did. So they have a few records from back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, in the '70s. But then we did a few records with the second version. I don't know what it's officially (laughs) referred to as, but um, we did a record with Jack Douglas producing, who, you know, did Aerosmith and worked with them back in the day. Um, We did a record with Todd Rundgren producing. Um, We went out to Todd's house in Hawaii. Cool. (laughs) For a few weeks, and he had a recording set up there, so we... So yeah there's a few uh records we did um and wow what a blast
1: um are as and are those the ones that we're going to hear today the tracks
2: yeah a couple of those are from that first record
1: cool um was that well yeah what kind of um recording process do they use was it analog or did they do digital or a little bit of both
2: i want to say we did all digital um I guess I should remember this, but, and I'm like, you know, I have a home, I'm in my like home studio and I, so I'm like a quote engineer head. And I like doing that, but so you'd think I remember, but I think I just missed the whole analog tape. Yeah. Um, I can't say I've ever recorded the tape. um, And I don't think we did. And I think it was too digital or pro tools.
1: Well, Um, for convenience sake too, right? It just saves time and money.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And
1: and you're right, like the tech, so the technology is just so, you know, it can mirror the analog anyway. So, but if you're just going to save the time, then you may as well just go digital. I didn't know you were into engineering and stuff too. So do you record your own drums a lot of the time?
2: Yeah, I, I started before like the pandemic. I had like a little home studio set up but then during the pandemic, when there were no gigs, yeah, I actually spent more time and money setting up the studio and the issue of when you're a drummer, you need a million mics and yeah. preamps and, you know, it can get crazy expensive, but I figured, okay, this is an investment and um, I had been doing a lot of studio stuff right before the kind of big shutdown and just loved doing that. Um, And again, talk about missing the tape into digital sort of, I think I got to New York after the big like jingle scene and, you know, there's not really that scene. I mean, there is a bit here, but I think only a few guys like get all those calls. Um, So, uh, it was just good to be recording a bit, you know, in the city at studios and getting that skill set in place, which is just a different thing than playing live, you know? And so I'm like, well, let's do this at home. And, you know, it's been great, you know, luckily pandemic that kept me, you know, relatively busy, you know, recording at home because everyone was sort of in the same boat of like, okay, I can't, get a bunch of people together in a studio, let's do it separately, you know. Um,
1: Yeah, and there were tons of projects that were released during that time. And, that you know, I mean, I think that forced people into a lot of creativity. Um, And I I remember Elton John did some cover record during that. And there's one song on there that I just love so much. Um, I think it's called After All. I think it's called the Lockdown Sessions or something. But, you know, everybody was recording. So music kept people together, which is awesome. Um, Right. So we're going to actually run out to break really quick. Everybody, if you're just uh, tuning in, my very special guest is Brian Delaney. He's a New York City-based drummer. Um, He's part of the second incarnation of the New York Dolls and has played on many, many, many incredible recordings and toured with many amazing musicians. And we'll talk about that when we get back. You can find out more about Brian at bddrums.com. Or follow him on Instagram at b delaney n y. That's B-D-E-L-A-N-E-Y-N-Y. You're listening to Arwen Lewis on the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. We're going to take you out to break with the New York Dolls track, This Is Ridiculous. And we'll bring you back in with a track that Brian also played drums on uh, by Lucy Woodward called He Got Away. This
3: is Ridiculous.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Arwen Lewis. And my very special guest today is drummer Brian Delaney. You just heard him playing drums on Lucy Woodward's song, He Got Away. And Brian, I thought we could pick up um, talking a little bit about the Broadway musical that you got to work on with David Bowie. Um, Lazarus, right? What yeah. Was, what was that like?
2: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> really, really cool. Yeah. Um, Definitely, you know, a Bowie fan, and, and unfortunately, this is right before he passed away, um, and we were doing the show, I guess it ran like six weeks, so this is off-Broadway, which is okay. kind of in the New York City world, you know, there's Broadway, the big shows, and then off-Broadway, which are usually smaller theaters, and, you know, sometimes they'll go to Broadway or whatever, or... Maybe they're super esoteric or just maybe not to be consumed by the tourists and everything. But (laughs)
1: um,
2: this was... We ran about six weeks late 2015 into 2016. Um, And then he actually passed away right at the end of our run. Um. But he came to some of the rehearsals and, uh, a lovely fellow. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a blast. Um, Michael C. Hall was the lead actor in the show. Um, okay. He was great. Um, anyway, great music. Um, there is a cast album out, um, cause there's also, uh, David Bowie put out a record, I guess his last record called Black Star.
1: I remember that. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those tunes we did on in the show, nice. and then it's on this cast recording, and yeah, it was a real blast. Yeah.
1: And you played drums on the cast recording too. Yeah. Um, what was the, what was the kind of the general plot like? Do you, <laughs> or, or is it something we I, should probably,
2: look up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, got to look it up. Not sure if I could give a proper, uh,
1: that's all right. <laughs> I was just curious cause I haven't seen it, but I'm sure we can probably find a video of the recording online somewhere too. Right. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, I mean, and what a, what a way to, you know, had you met David Bowie before or was that the only time?
2: No. Um, my buddy, Henry Hay was playing keyboards and he was the music director and, um, and I've known him forever. He and I moved to New York together from school in Texas. Um, and he, you know, I guess put in my name to David and sent some recordings um, so uh, that's how I got involved and in, um, nice. yeah
1: that's yeah. What I wanted to ask you how did what brought you to New York why New York when you were done with school
2: <laughs> well wow, that's a good question because I had never been to New York Um but I was, you know, definitely a jazz guy or whatever that means. But I was studying that a lot. And um, being from St. Louis, uh, my mom and dad were like, you're doing what? You're going to New York. <laughs> and this is, you know, mid-90s. New York is still pretty funky. Yeah. I mean, not that it's not funky now, but um, it was uh, pretty wild. Um but ex, that same guy, Henry, who's from Iowa, but he was like, Hey, I'm moving to New York. <laughs> you want to go? And I'm <laughs> like, Sure. <laughs> that's awesome. uh, that was basically it, you know. And did um, you get
1: in a band right away? And I was going to ask too, did you play like in jazz bands and clubs, like with artists like John Coltrane and Miles Davis and things like that?
2: Yeah. I mean, that was um, definitely did, you know, met a bunch of musicians and started playing at some jazz clubs and then met some guys doing, you know, more pop stuff. And cause I had definitely done some of that in Dallas. Um, the school university in North Texas is in, uh, Denton, Texas, which is just north of Dallas Fort worth. So okay. you would do a lot of gigs in Dallas Fort worth and was doing some R and B and pop stuff and as well as the jazz stuff. So, um, yeah, luckily, moving to town, North Texas, a big music school, you know, people would move to New York, you know, so you'd already have this kind of built-in um, group of people you knew. Nice. And and then there's people from Berkeley, you know, and it's just like this common, hey, you went to college, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, so then you just try to, um, you know, meet people and, hey, you want to play and, and then you get a gig here and there and then... Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like the world, you know, the club scene, you know, like L.A. or anything, you know, that's how, you know, in in New York, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but has it always kind of been a hub for musicians? Like since the Greenwich Village movement started, Um, has there always been different communities? And what's the, you know, yeah, what different types of clubs were there? Like, were there rock clubs, punk clubs, jazz, everything? And has it always been like that?
2: yeah well definitely the jazz thing you know from wow the 40s you know 30s '40s, 50s you know going way back um lots of jazz clubs um but yeah then definitely a lot of rock clubs you know going back to the new york dolls and you know the seven early 70s and kiss was playing right around that time and
1: did they come out of uh, new york
2: yeah, oh, and they were that. like fans of the New York Dolls, you know? Awesome. Um, Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, lots of clubs, you know, and unfortunately, some of those clubs are not around anymore. It's kind of the scene is changing a bit, but so there were, you know, a lot of places to play. I started playing, there's Bleecker Street mm-hmm. in New York City, and there were these like kind of R&B clubs. I don't know what you call it, kind of blues R&B clubs. And after a while I was playing, you know, literally four or five, six nights a week, either doing that or jazz gigs or whatever, you know. I mean Crazy. what a life. That's that, yeah, that sounds yeah. amazing. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, was- I mean living on a fourth floor walk up in Brooklyn and I would bring my drums to every gig. Oh gosh. <laughs> so up and down the stairs. Yeah, and then and then back then and you know, maybe still, you don't leave your stuff in the car, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. The things, you know, the things we did.
1: It's rock and roll. Exactly. Um, Well, this is, I'm having so much fun talking about this. Um, We're going to run out to break again really quickly here. Everybody, um, my guest today is drummer Brian Delaney. He's a studio and touring drummer, originally from St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, he's part of the New York City music scene. He's been a staple there since the mid-90s. And you can find out more about him at bddrums.com or follow him on Instagram at bdelaneyny. And we're gonna take you out to break with a song by Getaway Car called Madeline, and then bring you back in with a song by Johnny Gallagher called Sarato- Sarasota Someone. And Brian Delaney has played drums on both of these tracks. This is Arwen Lewis. You're listening to The Arwen Lewis Show, and we'll be right back.
2: Hey there this is brian delaney and you're listening to the arwin lewis show
1: Hello, everybody, this is Arwen Lewis. Uh, You just heard a song by Johnny Gallagher called Sarasota Someone. And my very special guest today, Brian Delaney, played drums on that track. Uh, Brian is a New York City staple um, music scene drummer. And, uh, Brian, you've had an incredibly extensive career with some really accomplished musicians. So how did you go from the club scene into playing with um, Melissa Etheridge? Or, yeah, how did that, how was that transition? so
2: I guess my first, whatever, road gig was with Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I mean, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) How'd you hook up with them? That's awesome. Wow, how did I... I think they were auditioning drummers, and this had to have been 97 or so. Okay. And with, you know, David Clayton Thomas as the singer, um, who was, you know, the guy from the beginning, or not, I guess not the initial guy, but... Um, Yeah, I guess some friends, maybe horn players or something, were like, hey, you know, they're auditioning guys or whatever. So I auditioned and got that, and then we would just tour, usually on the weekends, we would go out. We'd always fly out of Newark on Continental Airlines back then. (laughs) We'd leave like on a Friday morning at like 6 a.m., some ungodly time. Fly somewhere, do the same thing Saturday morning, ungodly, early, fly somewhere. <laughs> same thing like Sunday morning, fly somewhere. So usually it was like Friday, Saturday, Sundays, and not year-round, but especially during the summer. And, man, talk about <laughs> learning a <lot> of work. <laughs> how to function... You know, on the road with little sleep, and Um, uh, um. it was with my baptism into the crazy uh, music business.
1: And is that how you, um, oh, yeah, or actually I wanted to ask, were there any shows in particular that you remember that were just amazing? Like, was that your, so that was your first time getting on, like, huge stages? Were you playing in stadiums and things like
2: that? Yeah, I guess, you know, uh, I don't want to say county fairs, but sometimes, you know, summer uh, fairs, um, some small, some large, I mean. Um, but yeah, I guess I don't remember specific shows, but just, um, a lot of us, and this is with blood, sweat and tears, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we go to Europe, we went to, geez, Australia, um, went to Japan, you know, so it was just great to travel like that.
1: Yeah. And see the world, right? Um, yeah. And then, how how did you get connected with Melissa Etheridge? Was it the same kind of thing, like through a friend and you auditioned?
2: Yeah, this drummer was doing the gig and he asked me to fill in for him um, for a few weeks. And then, you know, there was a long break and then the next tour came along and they called me. So I assume that drummer wasn't available or whatever. Maybe he took another tour or something. So then um yeah it's kind of like i didn't audition but luckily i just got a good recommendation from him to initially do the gig and then i put in the work and of course i knew some of her music and um but that was a blast uh, i guess four years you know and That's a, a lot time. of u.s touring okay because she's very you know americana and uh but wow that was a great time
1: um, and so that, yeah, that sounds really fun, obviously. And also for something like that, right? You get the music kind of handed to you and then you learn the parts. Um, but I wanted to kind of talk about like, if you go into a recording session, is it sometimes, um, you know, is the music written out for you and then other times are you able to have creative freedom?
2: Yeah, i found, yeah, the recording thing can be Really all over the place. And i found from doing it here, some guys will send or artists will send like, you know, they'll use their computer to make a rough drum track, you know, like the computer Click. drum machine or something. Yeah. And that's roughly what they want. Some won't send anything. They just will send a guitar track and say... You know, what would you play on this? You know, do your own thing. You know, or, you know, especially if they know me. Mm-hmm. They'll say, you do your thing. And then we'll I'll play it, I'll send it to them, and they'll be like, okay, can you try this? And uh, one guy sent, you know, an idea or a drum pattern on his music, but he was like, okay, don't listen to that drum part at all. That's not what I want. I just put something down so I could play to it or something. So, it's really, you know, it can really be all over the place.
1: That Well, that's kind of nice, though, right? Because, I mean, do you, or what do you prefer? Do you prefer to have it written out for you, or do you like to have a little bit of freedom? Or does it just depend? Yeah,
2: maybe kind of both. I mean, sometimes I guess I like, you know, okay, they want this specific thing, and, uh But yeah, I mean, sometimes usually it's like on the fills and, you know, they say, you know, do whatever you would do. But sometimes maybe they're like, can you do this exact thing? And um, yeah, again, it can really be kind of all over the place
1: use different parts of the brain
2: (laughs) yeah exactly
1: do you ever compose drum tracks with an idea in mind to give to an another instrumentalist does that is that ever a thing for you or do you just kind of work for other people
2: yeah i guess now i have done you know they make these like drum libraries and um, oh that's cool yeah sometimes like well-known drummers will do all these beats at different tempos, and then they'll you can sell it through these third-party companies that were like, uh, you know, get uh, I'm trying to think of a drummer or whatever. Yeah, say the drum, drummer from Kiss or whatever, Peter Chris. Or whatever. <laughs> anyway, but you can get Peter Chris's beats, you know, on your music or whatever. So, and I've done that a couple times for people where uh, they're just like play different grooves and this is going way back i haven't done this in a while but you know and then people could buy back then cd of it and then they can use it on their recording and then i get a cut of that you know That's great that's really cool yeah it's kind of wild right
1: now like i feel like you could probably like sell something like that to garage band or pro tools or something i don't know if you can yeah
2: yeah and there are people you know drummers who will help apple make you know Beats to sell with GarageBand or, you know, Logic Pro or whatever, you know, they're like part of the, I guess, team to help give them content. Nice. Yeah. Um.
1: And then before we run out to break too, so um, you remixed a song that we're going to hear in this next break um, by Fork um, called "Otel, Otel Um Don't judge me; I don't know how to pronounce that. But, I, mean, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but so, um, what was the remake or what was the remix? Uh, why did they want to remix it? And what did you do to remix a song?
2: Okay, so this is yet yeah, same guy Henry Hay. Okay. This, again, this great keyboard player. This is his band, and they do this kind of fusion-y R and B rock stuff. Um, and this is, I guess, pandemic era, you know, era. And they wanted to do remixes of one of their records. Okay. Um, so they got like ten, or maybe even more people—twelve different people to remix their tunes so he would send me the different stems or tracks so the keyboard part Mm -hmm. the drum part the bass part the guitar part in this group it's a there's four people um and then i would load it into i use logic pro you know it's like pro tools Mm -hmm. and then he's just like do whatever you want you know there's no rules you know you can change the tempo you can do any kind of crazy effects you can do you can totally take out the drums if you want you can put your own drums on it you can do a drum machine anything so i just spent a few weeks just experimenting with stuff putting effects on the drums or putting I think I even did that. I recorded myself playing drums just on certain sections, and I put them in and put all these effects and delays and distortion or whatever just on different parts. So and i think it's cool maybe some yeah
1: people are like, no it's a, no it's an aw- i i love stuff like that it's a super cool track we i guess we have to we're going to take everybody out to break and you're going to hear that song um there's a d- random band called infected mushroom i don't know if you've ever heard of them but they oh, have no. this random crazy music just like that um, so oh I'm, wow cool i'm a fan of experimental rock for sure yeah um so everybody this is arwin lewis you're listening to the arwin lewis show i have a very special guest drummer brian delaney from new york city and he's a studio musician he's a touring musician with some amazing acts like the new york dolls and also melissa etheridge uh, we're going to take you out to break with um, a song that he played drums on by sophia and caruso called snow and ice and bring you back in with a song by fork called O Telebrium, and it's the glaive Glave man mix and brian had remixed that song for the band fork so enjoy and we'll be right back Hi everybody, this is Arwen Lewis, you're listening to The Arwen Lewis Show. My very special guest today is New York City staple drummer Brian Delaney. You can find out more about Brian at bddrums.com or look him up on Instagram at bdelaneyny and um we've been talking about his career playing in the club scene in new york city getting to go out on tour with the new york dolls uh, blood sweat and tears melissa etheridge Um, he was part of david bowie's off-broadway production lazarus and i thought you know we could end talking about though brian did you when you started playing music did you think that you were gonna become so accomplished and did you envision yourself ending up in new york and being such a staple um, with some of the most acclaimed acts in music or was this all a surprise to you
2: <laughs> man i really think a surprise i mean it's weird when i go back i'm like what was i thinking moving to new york <laughs> you know um i i had a little bit of money but As I think about it, you know, it's like New York was even expensive then. I mean, not nearly like it is now, but it's like, what was I thinking? You know, and (laughs) I didn't have like this firm plan of, all right, I'm going to call this person and I'm going to beat this person's door down and say, you got to hire me or, you know, that's not me. But yeah, um, it's not like (laughs) it. Like um, it's insane and just the twists and turns of i mean talk about like blood sweat and tears is so different than the new york dolls is so different than melissa Etheridge. yeah i mean um, although for me i mean i guess it's drumming and playing the right part and you know luckily having the tools to do that you know where blood sweat and tears would do this rock and jazz you know they would sort of go back and forth um so sort of had that background but then the new york dolls which is like oh, it's punk rock yeah <laughs> which i would i would actually think about don't think about technique don't think about oh is my time Am my rushing Am my dragging i because this is punk rock. They didn't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> you Pedal to bigger. the metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Melissa Etheridge is a different, you know, thing. But, uh, you know, I love just the grooves. And, you know, it's like Americana rock, you know. And all this different types of music I play. I mean, I try to stay in my lane. Um, you know, obviously, like the latin scene in new york is huge mm-hmm. i love that stuff but i cannot play it nor <laughs> will i people don't call me for it but you know i would say no i'm not the right person yeah, yeah.
1: well if there's one artist who you could work with yet who you'd like to um, collaborate with do you have somebody in mind is there anybody that uh, you
2: oh, <laughs> everybody oh hates this question <laughs> well <laughs> I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan. Oh, cool. Um, and I actually met Dave Grohl at, I think, with the New York Dolls, probably in 2005 or something. We did some one of those giant shows where there's 15 bands, and then the Foo Fighters were the headliners. And we probably played at 4 o'clock, and they played at 10 or 11. But... Um, Anyway, that, uh, yeah, I love that band. Um, I
1: could see uh, that for
2: sure. Yeah, I'm sure there are many more, um, if I could think of them.
1: Well, we'll save that for the next time you come on the yeah. show. <laughs> well, sure. yeah, we're actually out of time, and I forgot to tell you, Brian, this is my final episode of season one, so. Wow. Yeah. So, well, thank I'm you very honored. much. <laughs> the great finale. Yeah. Um, everybody, this is Arwen Lewis, and you're listening to Season 1, Episode 22. This is our final season, or excuse not final season, final episode of Season 1, so Season 2 will actually start tomorrow. Uh, you're listening to Brian Delaney on the Arwen Lewis Show. You can look up Brian at bddrums.com, find him on Instagram at bdelaneyny. And uh, Brian, thank you so much. It's been such a treat to get to learn more about your career and have a good chat with you and
2: everything. Thank Uh, you, this has been great.
1: And we're gonna take everybody out uh, with a song by the New York Dolls. Um, And this is our featured track. We're gonna play it in entirety. Brian Delaney playing drums on Dance Like a Monkey. Again, thanks so much, Brian. Thank you everybody for tuning in.
2: Thank you.
0: The Arwen Lewis Show was brought to you by Evolve Entertainment. Host, Arwen Lewis. Executive producer, Jeremiah D. Higgins. Producer and sound engineer, Richard Dr. D. Dugan. You can find Arwen Lewis and all of her music at arwenlewismusic.com. And follow her on Instagram at Lewis.